What's up, folks? I'm Cameron Mahorn, a.k.a. The Blurred Girl, culture journalist and critic, parked at the intersection of geekdom and diversity. Hey, y'all, I'm Chuck Collins, comic book artist and horror connoisseur. And this is Pop Paranormal from Travel Channel, where we take you from the scary screen to behind the scenes of the most talked about horror movies and shows. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome to our geeky corner of the universe in Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) Each episode, we dive deep into the best horror stories ever. Look, we're going to give you our hot takes, our cold takes, and definitely some real talk. Okay, Chuck, I have a quiz for you. What's up? Which would you prefer? Uh-oh. To have a monkey rip your face off. What? Or have an extraterrestrial monster inhale you like a vacuum cleaner? Nope. I'm not choosing either one. You know what? That's actually the correct answer because on today's episode, <laughs> we are talking about Jordan Peele's Nope. You did it. You got my joke. I'm so happy. <laughs> so in this episode, we are going to talk about who the real monsters are. And hint, it's not the monkey. No, definitely not. You'll also learn about the epic homework assignment Jordan Peele gave one of his cast members. Plus, we have a major speculation about one of the most diabolical characters in the film. We're doing a deep dive on Note, folks, so stick around. All right, now before we get into it, I just want to say for the listeners, Nope is a very awesome movie, and it has a lot of complex scenes, very layered. A lot of moving parts. So, babe, I got a challenge for you. Oh, now it's my turn? Oh, yeah. This is your time (laughs) to shine, baby. I'm going to need for you to give us a synopsis in under one minute. You think you can do that? Oh, wow. Okay, I'm going to try. Go ahead. I'm going to be timing you this time. You ready? Yep. All right, go. Okay, Nope is a cosmic horror film directed by Jordan Peele and revolves around the Haywoods, a Hollywood animal wrangler family run by O.J. and his sister Emerald. The siblings inherit their father's ranch after he dies mysteriously, but his death is tied to a UFO that they find basically hovering over the ranch. But instead of, like, running from it, they decide to document it to try and make money on the internet. So they team up with Angel, who's from the local electronics store, Antler's host, a Hollywood quirky director, editor kind of guy. Also, they're up against Jupe Park, the owner of a Gold Rush theme park in this town, who's been like stealing their horses and like feeding them to the UFO. So we've got monsters, monkeys, and mayhem. Wow, you had a whole five seconds to spare. There we go. I am so proud of you, baby. (laughs) Thank you. Give her a round of applause. She deserves it, because that was a lot. It was. So Chuck is absolutely right. Nope is a complicated film, and critics can't even agree on it. They either love it and think it's the best thing he's ever done, or they hate it, and they're like, oh my God, what is this convoluted story, and what is this ending? The funny thing about it is, unfortunately, Jordan Peele was not available to corroborate any of this with us. But even if he was, he's no help, because he's just agreeing with every fan theory out there. As a creator should. He made the movie, he put it out there to the ether, and it's up to us to interpret our own definition of it. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to interpret it our way. And we're going to go with two different schools of thought. Is this an extraterrestrial movie or is this a statement about society? Is it a metaphor? 
So coming up, we're revealing the most surprising Easter eggs in Nope. We're going deep and dissecting the monster. And Chuck, I know that's your thing. Ooh, I can't wait. (laughs) And we have proof that Jordan Peele is a huge anime fan. And this makes me so happy. This warms my heart. It's your people. It's my people. He's a weeb (laughs) like us. So we can't talk about Nope without talking about the monster. Oh, absolutely. The most iconic thing in the film. But what's interesting about it is when it was advertised, it was not advertised as a monster. I remember seeing ads for this. It looked like a UFO. When we saw the trailer, it looked like a UFO. Yeah. It's just a little UFO and a bunch of black folks that are like, nope, we're not going to be abducted. Nope. Hell no. no. And then Chuck and I got a chance to see a early screening of the film. Mm-hmm. And we looked at each other after we saw the film like, this is not a UFO movie. And I remember yeah. going on Twitter and saying, I mean, I couldn't spoil it, but I was like, this is no, no, no. not an alien abduction film. This is a monster movie. I even remember leaning over to you and like, that thing's a damn monster. You did. And you I were did. so excited and- about it. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's dig into this. What did you think about this monster when you when you first saw it? What did you like about it? I didn't think this this thing was alien at all. A lot of people said that this thing came from outer space and just stayed there. I think it's from here. I think it's a cryptid. Okay, what is a cryptid and why is that not otherworldly? <laughs> Cryptids? We don't have anything that looks like this in Brooklyn, so why is this I know, not... <laughs> I know, right? I mean, maybe. You've been on the train. Cryptids are legendary beasts that we can't prove were real or not, much like Sasquatch... Chupacabra, the rake, the mothman, Jersey devil. And there is a study behind it. We won't get into that. But I think that's what he is. I think it's a creature that already existed on Earth. What was interesting about it is it it went from floating around like a UFO. And we thought that it was abducting people and things like that. But it was eating them. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was just eating and devouring them. And it never made any sound except the time it was actually digesting people, which was terrifying within itself. It cloaked itself mm-hmm. in the sky. It's in the cloud. So it's undetectable. The thing could have been around for like 100 years and we would never have known. Oh my gosh. No, you're yeah. absolutely right. While we're talking about cryptids and mm-hmm. movie monsters, who are three of your favorite movies? It's a large list, but I'm going to give you three. The Thing, Godzilla, of course. Mm-hmm, of course. And Alien. The original xenomorph, the original scary guy in space. I am glad I asked this question because (laughs) Alien is actually one of the movies that Peele assigned to Mm -hmm. Brandon Perea. That's the actor that played Angel, like the tech geek guy from the electronics store. He gave him an assignment to watch like five movies while he Uh was like finishing up the script. One of them was Alien. The others were Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay. No Country for Old Men, 2001, A Space Odyssey, mm-hmm. and Jaws. I see that in the poster. I see Jaws in the poster. We're oh, all yeah. looking up. They're all looking up and everything. And then and you the see blue like background. That, the blue background and all of that stuff. Oh, I definitely saw that. Even with uh, Space Odyssey. Because in 2001, Space Odyssey, the entire event 
in that movie takes place on Jupiter. Well, one of the moons of Jupiter. Oh, yes. And so that's Jupiter and Jupiter's claim, which is what Jupes, that's what the little Gold Rush theme park is. Yeah. And the monkeys. There are monkeys in the movie. There are monkeys in the movie around the monolith towards the end. I forgot about that. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's awesome. So that was what we heard that Brandon Perea said about the movie. Now, Jordan Peele also said he was inspired by King Kong, Jurassic Park, and Wizard of Oz. Okay, yeah. Wizard of Oz, I could see. Juke I can being see all like those the also. man behind the curtain, mm-hmm. like the wizard. Yeah. But it didn't work out too well for him, did it? No, it did not. <laughs> now, Chuck and I, when we saw the movie, had a visceral reaction to another reference we saw, and those were two anime references. Of course you saw them. (laughs) We all did. (laughs) The first one, obviously to everyone who's an anime fan who even saw it in the trailer, was the famous Akira slide. Once I saw that, I knew straight up Jordan Peele was an anime fan. But for anyone who doesn't know Akira, I don't know how you don't know Akira. Akira is an anime that came out in the late 80s that's iconic as hell. It's a cyberpunk-type movie. There were a lot of iconic scenes that came from there. Yeah, one of those scenes is like a guy in a motorcycle doing this drift. Doing doing the slide. slide. And everyone has done their take on it at some point, but Jordan did it in such a way. In in my opinion, seeing it for the first time in live action, I don't maybe I could be wrong, but it was awesome. It was awesome. Okay, the other anime that we saw reference was Neon Genesis Evangelion. Now, that's a mouthful, but stay with me. Basically, at the end of the film, when the UFO transforms from its flying saucer Mm-hmm. form to its final form as sort of a stingray, that form looks a lot like a monster that was in an anime, Neon Genesis Evangelion. And those animals also were called angels. So I thought that's another Oh yeah, that cut. was you you, you kind of yelled in the movie theater when that happened. I was like, okay, babe, we, we're in public. Like you can't scare <laughs> me like that. <laughs> but it was, but it was beautiful though, wasn't it? No, it was great. That's the thing about it that made it so scary. This beautiful thing is gonna devour you. <laughs> I know. That's what's so crazy. So I think we've touched on most of the references, but if we've missed any do me a favor, use the hashtag PopParanormal, hit us up online, and tell us which ones we missed. Now we're going to dig a little deeper. We're going to reveal why we think that monkey went crazy and break down Nope's most important metaphors. Oh, yes. Plus, we're also going to talk about who we think made the biggest mistake in this movie. So we're going to play a little game we like to call This Week in Bad Decisions. Now, this is a game where we find a character that just did something dumb (laughs) (laughs) and we ask why. (laughs) How would that work out for you? Exactly. So, Chuck, I'd like Mm -hmm. you to go first. So who made a bad decision in Nope? Breaks my heart to say this because I'm a huge fan of Michael Wincott, and he did an amazing job, but it has to be Antler's host. Oh, yeah. Remember him? He was called in so he can record and capture an image of this monster. Yeah, he was like a director, cinematographer guy. Right, exactly. And he had all his equipment and everything. Oh, yeah, he had everything ready to go. All old school analog stuff. But then you didn't have to go to the mountaintop and sacrifice yourself for this shot. It didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense to me. I was like, dude, you got it. You're good. 
He's like, no, we're going to go for it. And then you get that scene of him suffering and getting sucked up and screaming and now being digested for several days. I remember having like a Cardi B moment. Like, what was the reason? Right. Why? Why like, did why? you do that? Why are we doing this? We what was the reason? reason? What was the I reason? Was what was the reason? I had a similar one. Mine was the TMZ guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, and I'm not even mad for him coming on the property. He had a job to do. His thing was to get a scoop. I get it. He thought mm-hmm. they were lying to him. But the part that grinds my gears is <laughs> that after his bike cuts out on him because the alien has the ability to turn off all electricity mm-hmm. and he flies off this thing and lands and breaks every bone in his body, he's oh, lying God. there bleeding. And when OJ tries to help him, all he's concerned with is getting the right shot. Make sure you get my Just good side. Make sure you get a shot of me and the makes alien. Makes no sense. It yeah. didn't. And he my ended whole up shit dying is for no out reason. My skin. So, yeah. <laughs> but take that shot. <laughs> Those are our picks. What are your picks for this week in Bad Decisions? Let us know by using the hashtag PopParanormal and hit us up on social. All right, now we've dissected the monsters. We've learned all about the cryptids. I learned something today. And now we're talking about the metaphors in Nope. You know Peel, and you know how he does. He loves his metaphors. Yes, he does. And he shows us three right at the top of the movie. He does. Like, he tells us, exactly what the whole movie is right before we get into it. So the very first thing, you see it right away, is the quote. And it's funny because Jordan Peele tends to have quotes in all of his films or something at the top that tells you what's going to happen in the rest of the film. Yeah. And this one is from Nahum 3.6 and says, I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle. Yeah. This whole movie is a spectacle. What do you think? Honestly, if you go by the entire line, you know, I will cast abominable filth upon you. What did the monster do once it finished digesting humans? It casted filth. Yeah, it took a (laughs) dump on their house. Exactly. And all the little parts that it couldn't digest, which one of the parts ended up killing OJ's father. Yes. Yeah. And then now when you go into, you know, make you vile, who do you think was the most vile person in the entire movie? In my opinion, it was Jupe. Yeah, I think it was cheap as well. And, <laughs> exactly. and, and and even the concept of, you know, make us and obviously make you a spectacle. Right. I think each character was chasing spectacle. Yes, what do you were. think? Yeah, each one of them were a different archetype of society. I mean, if you think about it, Emerald herself represents kind of like the gig economy out here hustling, trying to get that money and everything else. And she had her reasons for chasing the monster. But she also wanted to be seen. That was the whole she thing. Let's get seen. that Oprah yes. money. Get that money shot. Um, Angel was all about, like, he was dating the influencer. He was really right. upset about it. Yeah. Um, he was a conspiracy theorist. He had his little UFO things all over the place. I mean, mm-hmm. look, and even with the girl that he was dating, he was sad about it, but it was more like he was sad because of the status. It's right. not like he actually probably felt anything for her. He did. And Antler, you just mentioned he died for his concept of spectacle. And OJ is interesting because Mm -hmm. OJ doesn't seem like he cares about the spotlight or he cares about greed or anything. But I feel like his motivation changes in the middle of the movie once he identifies the monster as an apex predator. He's like, I know animals. You know, He knows animals. And now he's in. He's like, let's get that money. The other side of the coin about it is that OJ is literally the archetype for the everyday man. Just going with the motions. Yeah. The guy just lost his father. He discovers that his ranch is in trouble. He discovers there's an apex predator 
UFO monster alien chilling in his backyard, he has nothing else to hold on to. Yeah. He does what he does best, like you said. And also, he doesn't want to lose the ranch. I mean, they're, they're really yeah. looking at, like, losing everything. Exactly. And she's like, you know, well, I'll so try like, anything. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give myself to this and let's go get this thing. That's what it was. So if you were in the movie, which character would you be? I mean, I probably would say OJ. I think reality, I'd probably mm-hmm. end up being Angel. Yeah, because the conspiracy theories and stuff like that. Exactly. <laughs> um, I would definitely, I relate to M, that whole hustle thing. But That's I like OJ when it got too dangerous and she was like, right. let's, let's just leave. She was like, nah, I ain't dying for this though. I would be her too. Like the moment <laughs> exactly. it got too close, I'd be like, nah, we're done. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. Okay, so we can't continue without talking about this monkey scene and the whole the infamous, 80s sitcom yeah. movie within a movie of right. Gordy's home. Right. So let's back up because I think this is one of the most talked about things from the movie. So Jupe has a whole backstory that mm-hmm. basically affected him as an adult. Yes. So Jupe's backstory is that he was an 80s sitcom actor. Mm-hmm. He was an Asian kid that was supposed to be adopted by this white family, and they also mm-hmm. had a pet monkey named right. Gordy. And this chimp that played Gordy one day goes nuts on the set and attacks the crew, the actors, everybody, and yep. like rips the face off of one of the actresses. It was a horrific scene. But Jupe survives this attack unscathed. The monkey doesn't touch him. He is the little boy that is hiding under the table. And the monkey sees him and comes up to him and then sort of gives him a fist bump, which (laughs) is sort of like a little callback to monkey paw productions, I think. Do you see what you did there, Jordan? Exactly. (laughs) So, but as an adult, Jupe now runs Jupiter's Claim. This is Mm -hmm. that Gold Rush theme park where he's got all of these alien little attractions and stuff like that. And on the weekends, he has an attraction where he actually feeds the monster in front of an audience. Yeah. And so what he's been doing is taking the Haywoods horses that the Haywoods have been selling to him because they needed the cash. And instead of boarding them, he's been feeding them to this crazy monster that they've been trying to catch. That's just evil. It is evil. It is evil. So the interesting thing about this is the Gordy monkey scene, I think, confuses a lot of people. Why do you think the monkey went nuts on the set? Because it's a chimpanzee. And chimpanzees are nuts? (laughs) It's a chimpanzee. Its natural habitat was in the jungle. They probably shot him with a tranquilizer, and that's how he got to set in the first place. Like, And they trained this thing. I mean, at some point, it, it... it must have gotten traumatized when it heard the balloon started popping. Yeah, they could have sounded like was, gunshots to him or, yeah, to him or something. Yeah, it could have sounded like gunshots, and it, it threw him off. So, you know, there was there was that. Yeah. But then what's interesting is how Jupe escapes that. And I think, like, for some reason, because he cheated death as a child, it gives mm-hmm. him this weird trauma. So first, he's right. got trophies of the things that happened the day on the set that he keeps yeah. in this creepy back room. Mm-hmm. And then next, he's like... I'm still trying to figure out why he thought he could control this. You it's, don't think it's an alien. I kind of think it's an alien. Right. But this monster, why he thought it could, this cryptid, why does he think, why do you think he could control it? I, I think this is all hubris on Jupe's part. I thought that in his mind, he escaped this traumatic event and was able to still monetize off of it and thought, well, I got away with it unscathed. 
I mean, it's a basic Hollywood thing. It's a Hollywood behavior where I will continue to do this bad thing until somebody tells me otherwise or until I lose everything. And he kind of kept to to that. He really did, though. He stuck to the script (laughs) until he lost everything. Exactly. And the aliens sucked him up and and let him drive. He says, I'm taking your kids, taking your wife, everybody gone. That's what also an anime trope. Exactly. Um, <laughs> everybody dies. Okay, so Chuck, I need to tell you about my jupe theory. Okay. I think he's more diabolical than he lets on. Really? It really didn't hit me till we were home. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember what I was doing. I was in the kitchen or something, but I remember right. stopping and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Well, you, you kind of came in the living room and was like, look. I remember going... Oh my God! Yeah, you something can't stop in the room. Yeah, I thought something happened to you. You came in the room and was like, "Let me tell you something." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Because <laughs> I was you like, got? "Oh my what God! You? Oh my God! Oh my God!" I was like, "Jupe is evil," and he was like, "From the movie?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you remember that scene where Jupe comes out to the Haywood Ranch mm-hmm. after M steals one of his little horse statues, and she's yeah, like, "Oh." Yeah, yeah. You it to you know train our horses and he's like okay mm-hmm. and they're like right they're yelling at each other across this big field yeah yeah and she's like don't come any closer stay over there right okay he had a flyer in his hand and he was like i wanted to invite y'all out this weekend to this new exhibition i'm doing mm-hmm. you know at jupiter's claim the theme park it didn't dawn on me till we were i was home that what he was inviting them to was the actual event, the actual spectacle where he was going to have the monster eat Lucky. Remember when Lucky was in the cage, the plastic box? Yeah, no, I remember. That's horrible. And so they were supposed to be there. He was inviting them out to watch him sacrifice one of their horses. Yeah, yeah, that's... He was way more diabolical than he let on. And had he lived, he would have been another villain, another monster in this film. Yes, he could be. He could have been a monster in his own right. I think he was the second antagonist other than the monster. Okay, hold up. Before we go, I really want to call out Peel's brilliant twist on crediting the contributions of people of color to the movie industry. Like, it's a really big deal. We're going to talk about the black and white footage at the top of the film of a black jockey on a horse. Now, some of you might think that that was created for the film, but it's not. That footage is real. It's from 1878 and was taken by Edward Moybridge. He is known for pioneering this thing called chronophotography, and it sort of makes use of multiple cameras to capture motion. In other words, he made the first GIF. Yeah. This footage is famous because it depicts a man on a horse on a track, and it's sort of like the first time you're seeing animals in motion, almost slow motion, so you can study them. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about this is, now in history, everyone knows Moorbridge's name. No one knows the name of the black man that is featured on the horse in the film. This is where Jordan Peele, I think, gets his inspiration. He names him and calls him Haywood Mm -hmm. and makes him the great, great grandfather. Great, 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 right. (laughs) Grandfather of OJ and M in the film. Mm Right. And that's fascinating to me because he gives this unknown character from real life history some agency, even though he it's gave from, him something. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that's fascinating about this is here we have a white man behind the camera mm-hmm. taking an image of a black man whose name is 
not known. Sounds about right. But Moorbridge is getting all of the accolades for this footage and not the person that was featured. So it's like the earliest form of exploitation. It's like the earliest form of TikTok. Yeah, exactly. So do you remember the TMZ guy who shows up on the motorcycle? Right. The guy that I was like, why did you do this? Yeah. It's like, why? Why are you this this way? What are you doing? In, in the final credits, his name is Ryder Moybridge. He wasn't just credited as like motorcycle guy? No, he wasn't. Or TMZ he's, guy? No, no. He's credited as Ryder Moybridge, which is spelled R-Y-D-E. Wow. Yeah. So like... He's related to that Moorbridge that, well, I guess Peel is saying he's related to that Moorbridge that took the picture at the beginning of the film. Exactly. And just like Edward, his descendant went and did the same thing and tried to exploit these Black people by coming down there and capturing that image first. So I was like, this this is all just, (laughs) it just comes around full circle. And that's such a Jordan Peele thing to do. Also, it didn't end well for him. So that's also saying something. It didn't. It didn't at all. That dude had a horrible end. He did. <laughs> he had a horrible end. See, you shouldn't have been out here trying to exploit these black folks trying to make a living to capture this monster on film. But to everything that you just said, what I find amazing that comes around full circle is now that Jordan Peele is sitting in the director's chair and he's behind the camera, he is now subverting the trope behind that, you know, not giving credit where credit is due, especially when it comes to people of color in the, in this business. Yeah, and this really gets into, like, the Jordan Peele cinematic universe. Is that a thing, babe? J- JPCU? Oh, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> Except it's a lot creepier than the MCU. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but his intention behind everything that he's been trying to create over the years has been really about creating new stories. And I'm just commended for creating his own universe mm-hmm. and not saying, oh, I'm going to make like Get Out 2 or right. Us 2. Mm-hmm. You know, he, this is its own story. I yes. love the fact that it's his first monster movie. I hope we get more. I also really look forward to, I hope he's releases a director's cut or we see some uh, unreleased oh, yeah, that, footage. That's going to happen. So we yeah. can get more of the story. But right. I think in a few years, we're all going to look at this. This movie is going to be really heavily studied. And no matter what fans or critics think of him, I think this is a a really good movie. And I'm just going to wait for all the other fans that don't like it to catch up. In true pop paranormal fashion, we're going to leave you with a riddle and challenge you to tell us what you think next week's episode is all about. So Chuck, what is the riddle this week? What changes storylines every few years makes a circle ending where it starts? What does LL Cool J, Ant-Man, and Busta Rhymes have in common? Think you know the answer? Use hashtag PopParanormal on all social platforms and tell us what you think. Make sure to follow Travel Channel at Travel Channel on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We'll have all that linked in the show notes. Until then, see you on the other side. Pop Paranormal is produced by Neon Hub for Travel Channel. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review. 